Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming out on this gloriously beautiful morning. And I, I have to say that the uh, two of the triplets really enjoyed ringing the bell, and it's the Hilger triplets' 11th birthday today. So uh, thank you all for joining us to help celebrate that. Uh, old friends and new, please pick up the friendship pad and pass it to anyone in your, in your pew, and please sign your name so that we're aware of your presence. Uh, and we can all greet one another by name at the conclusion of worship. Um, if today, if you need to talk to a Stephen minister, the Stephen minister on duty is uh, Carol Tiemann. Uh Normally, we have announcements at this time, but today is an extended prelude, so we forgo announcements, and anything that you need to hear about or want to hear about is in the bulletin, and certainly you can see me or anyone else afterwards. Uh, so, Bruce, if you could please prepare us for worship.
With an opening like that, we should all be standing up and cheering. Thank you, Dr. Frank. Friends, please join me in our responsive call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Come and worship the God of honor and majesty. Let us worship God. Join me in prayer. Source, Source of, of all light, light creator, creator of all, of all heavens, heavens. Before, before the vastness of the universe, we stand in awe, remembering the miracles of creation, those that happened long ago, 
like the birth of the world, and those that happen every day, like the birth of a child, we cannot comprehend your marvels. Surrounded by life's mysteries, giving thanks for the knowledge you share and the resources you provide, we turn to you in worship and praise. Giver of all life, reveal yourself in our worship as your spirit breathes life into all that lives. Blow among us now that we might be refreshed and enlivened, challenged and changed, corrected and reissued. Grant us hearts and voices to sing your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Much as we pray these things together today, we often fall short. And so we can confess in voices and in parts. Ladies, you alone, O Lord, laid the foundations of the earth to the joy of the heavenly hosts. Grant us the grace of submission, O Lord. You alone call forth the clouds. You alone send the rains. You alone can open the floodgates. Grant us the grace of belief, O Lord. You alone, O Lord, send the lightning hither and yon. Grant us the grace of wonder, O Lord. You grant wisdom and give understanding. You move the clouds. Grant us the grace of insight, O Lord. We repent of our short-sighted judgments of you, Lord. We repent of our vain and overblown estimations of our own understanding. We repent of our mistrust of you. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, Lord. The same God who made the sun, moon, and stars in their constellations forgives our sins graciously. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. have a prayer for illumination that we can share together today. Lord, when we are honest with you and with ourselves, we admit that so much understanding that seems to elude us. We admit that we sometimes despise the way our world works, or at least how some people work. We can react by mistrusting you. There are moments when we struggle to believe in your goodness and grace, even Please, Lord, somehow, some way, shed your light in our hearts. Even when our belief is intact, please help us with our mistrust. Stars are great, but we need you to light our way. Amen. Transitioning from that plea for wisdom to God's writing to us in the book of Job, 
We have, of course, this wonderful story where Job, a righteous man, has an opportunity to have the devil and God have a little interaction about him. And the devil says, I can make him deny you, curse you. God says, he's a righteous man, he won't do it. Go ahead and do your worst. The devil does. After all of those trials and tribulations, after Job's friends try to convince him that it's his fault and that he should repent, or his wife tries to tell him that he should curse God, Job asks a question of God, and as we pick up in our text in Job 38, God answers. I invite us all to hear God's word to each one of us. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or where were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors? And I said, Thus far you shall come and no further, and shall, here shall your proud waves be stopped." Who has cut a channel for torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no one lives, on the desert which is empty of human life, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the grounds put forth grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, and who has given birth to the hoarfrost of heaven? The waters became hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen." Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so the flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in your inward parts? or give an understanding to the mind. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Pastor Kerry. We have a lot of our children we know that are going to discover all kinds of places on this Columbus Day weekend. But for those of you here, come on up. I want to talk to you a little bit about constellations and stars. As you know, we've been talking about stars a lot over the past few weeks. And if some of you have a um, star ornament for your Christmas tree and are willing to share it with us, there's a place to hang one up over in the Fellowship Hall. So that'd be kind of cool. You do, Will? Yeah, you can do that. And there's also a place over in the Fellowship Hall after the service where you can uh, kind of put on a piece of paper. We have blue and gold stickies and people that you think are really stars to you. Well, I have two things. I'm going to put them down on the floor. You can take them before you leave. This one is called the Fall Night Sky. And it's kind of a star map. It doesn't have all the constellations because there's so many thousands of them. But if you were to take the star map and take a look up at the sky by putting 
where you're standing as the basis of looking up at the sky and holding this either north, south, east, west from where you're standing, you can identify some of the constellations that are on here in the fall sky because it changes in the seasons. This piece is something I brought along with me and um, I've, I've made this back to back. Here are constellations. Let me tell you what you can do with a sheet like this. You can cut them where the little dotted lines are and make cards. And then it will have the constellation on one side and the name of it and how to pronounce it and some other things about the constellation on the other side. Do any of you know any constellations or forms of stars in the sky? You do? Um, the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper. Yeah. Yes, you know what? The Wishing Star? The Wishing Star. It's not quite a constellation, but it's a bright star. Sometimes people call the North Star a Wishing Star. But it's a single star that's fairly powerful and bright in the sky. And you can see it in the fall sky, too. And you know how to find that star? You look for the Big Dipper, and you find two stars in the Big Dipper, and they will point your way to the North Star. Sailors used to use that to guide them. One of the fascinating things is the stars have been so constant for years and years that people kind of know where they are at night because of the stars. Do you think that that's just kind of by accident that they're just that way all the time? Or do you think that was planned? Well, sometimes you look up and say, well, maybe it was by accident. I think it was planned by God. If you really want to see the stars best, because it's getting a little darker now, so about 7 o'clock, 7.30, go out toward um, Menden Ponds so that you don't have any other light around and you'll be able to see the stars much better. Let's do this. Let's pray about God's creation. You can take these if you like and then head off to Sunday school. Does that sound like a good plan? Lord God, we give you thanks for this day and for the opportunity we have to worship you and for the beauty of all your creation that you give to us to enjoy. There is no price we can put upon it. It is your free gift. And we thank you for the stars to guide us. May they guide us always to you and to you, the creator of our world. We ask it in the Master's name. Amen. Well, hope you have a great time in Sunday school. Here are the skies, and there's the other ones. Up your voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmony.
Let heart rejoicing rise high as on listening side. Let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. So neath the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, fell in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our parents sighed. We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silences, Thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, Thou who hast by Thy might led us into the light, Keep us forever in the path we pray. Let our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met Thee. Bless our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget Thee. Shadow beneath my hand, may we forever stand true to our God. may be seated. <laughs> Trevor Thompson, and Trevor has reminded me Thompson here has no P in it. A lot of Thompsons we know have P's in them. Trevor, we welcome you to First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Trevor is the president of the New York State Gideons International and will be bringing us a message about Gideons and his life. And you can find a more complete um, a bio about uh, Mr. Thompson, and it mentions his family, and maybe you'll introduce all of them to us before you leave the lectern. Would that be good, Trevor? Welcome to First Presbyterian Pittsburgh.
Mama, Mama, look what I got today. <laughs> Terry was a single mom in Billings, Montana. Her life was meaningless and spiraling out of control. She had reached her bottom and she knew it when she found herself in a closet with a loaded pistol ready to end her life. That's when she cried out to God. And just then, she heard, Mama, Mama, look what I got today. She composed herself as best as she could, and she came out and met her son, who had just returned from school and had received a testament by a Gideon. They began to read the scripture together, and that's when Terry and her son started their faith journey. The Gideons are internationalist Christian business and professional men who are most well known for placing Bibles like this in the hotel rooms around the world. But as you can see from Terry's testimony, our outreach is far greater than that. You may be interested to know that 80% of our outreach is to young people around the world in colleges and universities and in schools. Chuck, a Gideon from Alaska, attended a training session for a volunteer ministry at a youth detention facility in Anchorage, Alaska. One of the other members got up and said, Hey, Chuck, I know you're a Gideon. I just wanted to thank you for all you do. You see, when I was 14 years old, I was planning to murder my father and then commit suicide because he was so evil and he abused me. But then one of your Gideons handed me a testament. And I read it, and that book saved my life, saved my father's life, and it saved my family's life. You know what? That man is now a pastor in Eagle River, Alaska. The Gideon's International Ministry is now established in over 200 countries around the world, distributing God's holy word in over 101 different languages. Listen to this. God has taken two men over 116 years ago, and now our ministry has 300,000 men and women around the globe spreading the good news of Jesus through, through his word. In the past year, because of support of churches like yours, the Gideons International, by God's grace, has been able to place 84.5 million copies of God's word one at a time in the traffic lanes of life. In the early spring of this year, the Gideons International reached a milestone, and we give God all the glory for it. We placed the two billionth copy of God's Word somewhere around the planet. To God be all the glory. Gideons are interdenominational Christian business and professional men. Our only objective is witnessing to people and sharing the Word of God so that they could come to know Jesus as Savior. We partner with churches anywhere to, we, to reach the unreached everywhere. Churches like this church here, First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. We're, that's correct. We take your support, your prayer support, the hands of your church, and most of all, the book of the church, and we take it where you necessarily can't go. Places like the prison. You read in my bio, I do prison ministry every week. Hotels. It's kind of tough for churches to get to hotels, but the Gideons can get in there, right? And we need your prayer support. We also go to schools and colleges and universities. 
uh, ladies accompanying us at hospitals and nursing homes. And the ladies have a specific point of interest that the men don't go to, uh, places like doctors and dentist offices and even veterinarians' offices and place a copy of God's Word in the waiting rooms. And they go to crisis pregnancy centers and domestic violence shelters. So as I said, we are an extended missionary arm of this church, Pastor. We work for you. We take your resources, your prayer support, your financial gifts, and the men and women of this church have the opportunity to work locally and distribute the Word of God in schools and colleges and nursing homes. And if you'd like to see Jack or myself, Jack is over here, and he'll, we'll be in the back if you're interested and, and you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and something that uh, you might be available to do come and talk to us afterwards. You see, billions of people have never heard the good news, and many will never be able to own their own personal copy unless we help them. You know, Gideon gave a testament to a young orphan girl as she was sitting on the bed, and a little while later, he returned, and she had been reading the Bible. You you know what she said? She said, you didn't just give me a book. You gave me a family, and you gave me Jesus. Thank you. It's so easy for us in America to have a Bible that we don't realize how precious it is to other people. In Thailand, they take the scripture when they get it and they bow their heads down as they receive it. In other places like Ghana, it's the only piece of literature that they'll ever have. So that's why we're here today, to just share with you how your support in prayer and financially and possibly your hands and your feet can be used of God to reach the people with the good news of Jesus. As Gideon was counting Bibles with his colleague after doing a distribution, we do need to count the testaments so we know how many to report to you that have gone out throughout the year. They saw a young man picking garbage out of a garbage dumpster. Well, they had a bunch of empty boxes because they had just distributed a bunch of Bibles. And the man came over, the young man, he was about 14 years old, and said, Hey, uh, can I have that box? I'm collecting boxes and cardboard to recycle to make money to, for my family. And we said, Sure, the Gideons would love to do that. But at the same time, they opened the scriptures with him and went through the plan of salvation in the back of the Testaments that we have. And after hearing about how Jesus died for him in John 3.16 and that all of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God and how, how we needed to repent, Axel bowed his head with a tear in his eye and prayed to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That was down in Argentina, and I was that Gideon. You see, because of your support, people like Axel can go from garbage to glory. They need us to help them. We really covet your prayers, each and every prayer that you offer up. Gideons will never have any amount of success unless God blesses our ministry and opens the doors. And you're directly correlated to those offerings of prayer. So please, would you pray for us? We're going into some dangerous territories across the world. Even in America, doors are being shut to go to schools. We need your prayers. And again, if I If I could mention it again, if God is uh, tugging on your heart, please see us after service. Let me talk to you about the financial aspect. Every dollar that you give to the Gideons International goes directly to the costs associated with printing this Bible and shipping it. None of the administrative costs that you uh, give for your donations go 
in our ministry. They're all covered by people like me because we're business and professional men. You give us the product and we'll be sure to deliver it. Amen? So Gideon cards are also another fine way of helping out uh, to support. You can find these cards in the back of the entrance of the sanctuary. And the cards are free of charge. You choose how many Bibles you want to donate. And you can listen to this triple blessing. You can send this card. And you'll be blessed as you send it. The recipient of the card will read this and see that you placed Bibles in honor of them. And then there's an outstretched hand somewhere that will receive a copy of God's word. Isn't that so exciting? So that's another program that we have uh, available for you. As Gideons were distributing a Bible in Port Alegre, Brazil, they began to smell a strange odor. They looked around to see if they could identify it. They couldn't identify it, so they just continued, as the Gideons do, handing out the Bibles. I have a free gift for you. They came across a nice-dressed man, and he took the Bible, and he began to curse and swear at them and give them profane gestures. Then he took the Bible, and he threw it as far as he can and said, you know what you can do with this book? You can throw it out like I'm going to do right now. Well, Gideon's just kept handing out the Bible and keep smiling and... And uh, he went away. A little while later, they smelt the same strange odor again. This time, they turned around. They saw a little man covered from head to toe with tar. The tar man was Luis Alvarado. You see, he was working on a a nearby roof. And he said to the Gideons, I was about to jump off and end my life. But then God hit me in the head with this book. (laughs) He said, I read in here that I could be saved. Can you tell me how? And because the Gideons are a witnessing association, they shared with him Jesus Christ, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We have a precise God. You'd be interested to know the Gideons just finished their annual scripture blitz in New York City, where there are a population of 9 million people of many ethnicities, many cultures, We distribute the Bibles in 11 different languages. Men and women came from the United States to help us, and we placed 246,000 Bibles in one week, just two weeks ago. Would you pray that God would use those scriptures to help people to understand his love and his compassion for them? In China, God is opening doors for us as well. Listen, God is allowing the Gideons to place the Word of God in China legally now. We are able, last year... Uh, over the last two years to place three million copies of God's word and the church is growing from 90 to 300 percent because of the word of God. We believe, as it says in Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but God who gives the increase. He who plants and he who waters is one. And each of us will receive their own wages according to their labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. In closing, let me share with you one final scripture blitz, what we call a scripture blitz when we go in a concentrated effort to distribute the word of God where it's needed. Gideons went overseas and they visited a children's hospital, and they met this young girl, Tasha Baklava. She cried out, give me the book about Jesus. Give me the book about Jesus. She was sick, and 
the Gideons sat down on the bed and shared with her the gospel. They read it and had great time together in fellowship. It almost reminded me of your heart and how you shared with the kids here, how precious the children are. And the Gideon had to go away and continue to distribute the word of God in other places. When he returned, he came to say goodbye because he had to go back to the United States. Well, he got a phone call about two months later and Tasha Baklova had uh, died and went to be with Jesus. You see, she was a child and a ch- uh, at the Chernobyl Children's Hospital in the Ukraine. And you see how important it is to get the word of God out to people. They need to read and hear about Jesus and his love and his mercy. You know, I really talked a lot about the Gideons today and what we do, but it's only to share with you how your support and your involvement in our ministry together is used by God for his glory to share the love of Jesus Christ to all the people around the world and even here in America. You know, when Terry and her son began their faith journey, you were there. When Luis Alvarado received his copy and his life was transformed, you were there. When Axel went from garbage to glory, you were there. When Tasha gave her life to Christ, you were there. And when the little orphan girl, the girl that had nobody, received her copy of God's word, you were there. We love and appreciate the partnership that we have with you folks. Pastor Boak, we thank you for the opportunity that you've allowed us to share the work of the Gideons International and your involvement of it. And congregation, I thank you for your attention and your continued support as we go to reach the world with the word of God. God bless you. Yes. This is my lovely wife, Beth. This is Hannah Faith and Ananias, John Ananias, and Cecilia Grace is playing with the other little kids back in the And Trevor, we'll pray that you have a safe drive all the way back to the east end of Long Island. Having been out on that island, I, it's well named. It is long out there. Yeah. As we prepare for a reading from the book of Amos, all of life is filled with wonder, so we thank you, God of love, for the crash of evening thunder clearing clouds, then stars above, for the night that turns to glowing as we feel the morning mist. God, we praise and thank you, knowing every day we're truly blessed. For the joy of daily waking, for the gift of each new day. For the smell of fresh bread baking, for the sound of children's play. For the ways we seek to serve you as we work and volunteer. God, we humbly praise and thank you for your presence with us here. Amos 5. Hear this word that I take up to you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen no more is maiden Israel forsaken on her land, with no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which marched out a hundred 
shall have ten left. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel. Do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like a fire, and it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Ah, you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground, the one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. I hate. I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of the Lord. Thanks be
What a joy to have you with us singing today, Harold. God asked Job some questions. I don't think it was actually God's intention to give Job a lesson in astronomy. But out of a storm, God spoke. And it appears that Job's questions to God were not the heart of the issue, because you could read about those earlier. Instead, God used Job's ignorance of the earth's natural order to reveal his ignorance of God's moral order. If Job did not understand the workings of God's physical creation, how could Job possibly understand God's mind and God's character? There is no standard or criterion higher than God by which to judge. God is the standard to which we, like Job, are being called to submit. Now, in the first verse, where the stars and these constellations are mentioned, God was saying, Hey, Job, you think you can keep Pleiades together? No. Well, I can. Now, the Pleiades are known as the Seven Sisters. is an open star cluster of the constellation of Taurus. It is classified as an open cluster because it's a group of hundreds of stars formed from the same cosmic cloud. They are bound together by the same gravitational force. Then in the next section of the verse, the Orion constellation is mentioned. To loose the bands of Orion. That's a reference to the belt of Orion. Orion the hunter. And there are three stars that form his belt round the waist. Rather than bind Pleiades, pull together, God challenged Job, can you loosen the stars? Of course you know you can't. Only the creator can do that. And then the last section of the verses, God describes the bear one of the brightest stars in the night sky. God challenged Job to guide Arcturus, the bear, with his sons. And with this challenge, God appeared to be saying, Hey, Job, you think you can direct the bear anywhere you want? (laughs) You know you can't, but I, the creator, can. And while the bear appeared in antiquity to be a single star, in 1971, astronomers discovered that there were 52 additional stars connected directly to the bear, the bear's sons, just as foretold in Scripture. Now, it wasn't God's intention to give Job an astronomy lesson, and this isn't placed in the Old Testament to give you one either. God wanted to challenge Job and remind Job who had the power, the authority, and the wisdom to control the fate of the universe. In a more particular way, God is reminding Job who had the power to control Job's fate and the wisdom to care for Job, even when Job felt abandoned and unloved. 
It wasn't God's purpose to reveal hidden scientific truths to Job in an effort to demonstrate his deity. The ancient text accurately describes the nature of the constellations and the stars. Like many other Bible passages, these verses are scientifically consistent, if not scientifically exhaustive. One of my boyhood friends is Dr. Gary Meckler. You've never met him. He was the best man at Martha's and my wedding. He is an astronomer. He has a degree in astrophysics, two PhDs in astrophysics, and he runs the observatory at the University of Arizona now. He didn't even know where to stand as the best man. We had to get out the Christmas star and hang it in the chancel so he would know where to be. Gary was our high school quarterback for the football team. He weighed 95 pounds. We had a nickname for him. We called him Moose Meckler. I asked Gary about the star that the wise men saw. What is it? And he said, well, it actually was probably a convergence of stars. We can trace the stars back in time. They were part of the constellation Pisces known as the fish. These astrologers believed that the constellations represented different nations, and Pisces was the constellation for Palestine. When they saw these stars converging to look like one very bright star, actually there were several planets, including the planet Venus, they thought this is occurring in the constellation of the fish. It must mean that something unique is happening in Palestine. Let us go there to see what is being revealed. But of all the constellations I know, the most important for me are the constellations of my relationships with others. We're surrounded by them. We're born into families, big and small. They shape and define our growth and our learning. As adults, constellations of relationships describe who we are. Mother, father, aunt, uncle, son, daughter, employee, manager, rival, friend, wife, husband, partner. Whether we are working or caring for others, going to school, finding love, or just hanging out, we do it in relationship to others. And then some difficult things can happen in our relationships. There are things that happened around us in our environment that we can't control. The weather. And as you know, if you don't like the weather in Rochester, just wait about an hour and it will probably change. Our health. Well, we can do a few things to improve it, but... There are some things that we just can't change. The community in which we live, people with whom we work. Maybe you'd like to work with some different ones, but that means you've got to change jobs. It was a very dark day for Job. So dark that this unhappy old man, according to the text, was sitting on a heap of dung. A mound of manure 
according to the book of Job. His losses are depressing. His family has lost all his animals, all his tents, all his wealth, his worldly goods, even his health, all gone. He was caught unaccountably, unexpectedly in a snare of despair. He is there despondent. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you felt the similar loneliness, a certain lack of motivation. And it was then that you may have asked the same question that Job asked. Why me? Now when this happens, people who know about such things tell us to exercise more. Out of doors if possible. Indoors if necessary. I don't want to trivialize Job's suffering of ours. His losses were very real and painful. What is especially vexing is the problem of innocent suffering. But self-inflicted wounds, we can usually understand those. But when we suffer for no apparent reason, the first question is usually, why or why me? And such questions betray an understandable egocentric notion about suffering. We tend to think that suffering is all about me. It's all about us. If Job learned anything from this experience, he learned that suffering was not about him. It was all about God. Because suffering tends to turn us inward, it becomes a mirror in which we see only ourselves and wonder why such disfigurement has come our way. So God asked Job some questions. So, um, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, you know? Where were you when I determined its measurements? Where were you when I made the clouds as a garment? Where were you when I prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors for it? The text seems to apply that it was a question of whether Job could continue to trust a God when everything else that was happening in his life seemed to argue against a God who could be trusted. And we have to admit it. There are times when the evidence is against God, or at least our popular conception of God. If we're not willing to admit that, maybe we're not always honest. The loss of his servants counted, the loss of his camels counted, the loss of his sons and his daughters counted. At the end, only his wife remained. And there came a point when Job considered that to be an exacerbation of his problems, not a relief, too, by the way. Everything is gone. He says, so you're talking like a foolish woman. He says it to her. Now, all of this is a bit different from the appearance of the constellations in the book of Amos. There, it is a book of lamentation, and we saw the same constellations mentioned in Amos that we saw mentioned in Job. Only here, the impetus is a little different. Uh, Amos knows that the northern kingdom is about to be destroyed in Israel, and uh, the people are going to be carried away into captivity. He tries to provide some explanation to why this is so, He says the very, very wealthy are 
oppressing the very, very poor, and it will not be too much longer before those who are wealthy and have sold the poor into slavery will themselves be sold into slavery. So he says, unless you start following God more clearly and God's intention, you are going to be in a heap of trouble. And believe me, God understands all of this and can control the universe. I want to suggest to us that when we change our attitudes, we have a positive effect on the constellations that are around us, or at least develop a different perspective toward them, and the process become more in tune with God's purpose. Since we last met for worship, uh, Martha and I have had two encounters with entertainment. One, we headed out to the jiva, to see Spamalot. It is very funny. <laughs> Every night they do a hunt for the Holy Grail. You'd think that if once they found it, they would keep it, know where it was. But... And then we went to the Pittsburgh Plaza, the movie theater, to see the intern. Um, we found ourselves in theater number eight at the theater. I hadn't been there in a very long time. This is a great place to go. If you ever go to that whole group of theaters, whatever movie, go to theater number eight because they have these big recliner chairs there. I had never been in one of those. And if you, the money you paid for is not a great movie, you can at least get a few Z's. You know, you can kind of relax. They have a holder for your drink. They have a box for your popcorn. It's really terrific. Now, this film, The Intern, is about a 70-year-old widower, Ben Whitaker, who has discovered that retirement is not all that it's cracked up to be. He seizes on an opportunity to get back in the game. He becomes a senior intern at an online fashion site. You get the impression that being a widower has its own loneliness, and his days are not filled with joy like he would wish. They don't have the same purpose they once did. At his interview with a series of people, Ben revealed that he used to work for a company that made telephone books. And the people interviewing couldn't believe it. They never heard of such a thing. When you want to find a number, don't you just Google it and figure out what it is? Then the interviewer asked Ben where he thought he would see himself in the next 10 years. And the interviewer thought, He's Ben Sabaty. That's kind of a strange question to ask in an interview, isn't it? Ben was hired. He took care to dress impeccably for his first day at work. Freshly pressed suit. Crisp, clean shirt. Matching tie shined shoes. Other workers at the job site just kind of slovenly leaned onto their computer terminals with their t-shirts. As the film progresses, the younger workers begin to look to it to Ben for advice 
on everything from their love life to their other relationships. One young man is convinced. He's trying to connect with a other young lady. He, he tells Ben, I've, I've tried texting her. I, I email her. She, she doesn't respond. Ben said, who is this young lady? Well, she's over there in that cubicle. Ben said, have you considered going over there and talking to her? At one point, Ben is asked why, do, why he always carries a handkerchief. And he says, a gentleman never carries a handkerchief for himself. He carries it for the purpose of giving it away to someone else who needs it. It is the chivalrous thing to do And chivalry is now lost. Ben actually changes the constellations around him. But his grounding does not change. I think this is what our texts are calling us to do and to be. Especially when we face constellations that we cannot control. Maybe we would be helped, comforted, rather than intimidated to recognize that God can control constellations. And if they are moved at all, they are moved more by sacrificial love than they are by power. A prayer for us to use. For the ways we're blessed with plenty, love and laughter, neighbors, friends, nature's wonders, season's bounty, life in you that never ends. For the ones who've gone before us, giving witness to your way, we rejoice in all you give us every moment, every day. For your love in times of trouble, for your peace when things are tough, for your help when hardships double, for your grace that is enough, for a stranger's gentle kindness, for a doctor's healing skill. God, we thank you that you bless us, and through us, your word.
number of prayer requests. But the first, I want to thank Georgia Trolley and Pamela Flynn Frame for putting out the beautiful flowers in our chancel in memory of Bill. We miss him. We know you do as well. But we thank you for the love that inspires it and the generosity that shares with us this beauty and grace. And Georgia, you know, it's a joy to have you worship with us. We don't get a chance to hug you as often. So I hope people will be a constellation around you, hugging you in this worship service. And I'm also hopeful that you might find in the constellation around you in these pews today, there are a number of guests. So please, this is the day where you can faultlessly reach out your hand and say, Hi, I've been a member here for 47 years. And you are, and the person around you can say, Well, I've been a member here for 48 years. (laughs) But chances are you're going to find a guest. So please, do reach out and say hello today. And guests, please let us know of your presence so that I can follow up and have a coffee with you or answer any questions. You'll find pew pads at the end of your choose to leave some contact information. We're also thankful that as we are saying hello to people, that we have good reason to wish Godspeed to others. David and Joanne Churchill, we are going to miss you terribly as you head off to Myrtle Beach. It's hard to believe it's been almost a decade that you've worshipped with us and led us in so many ways, either Sunday school or trustees or computers or countless artistic efforts Godspeed to you in Myrtle Beach. We're thankful that your home was not ravaged by the latest storms, and we're hopeful that you'll come back and respond to other PDA assistance efforts or join us in other mission efforts someplace. Godspeed to you. We also are in prayer, David, for your uncle and for his great grace and God's great grace covering him after his stroke. We're in prayer also for Muriel Nothard, who got news this week of stomach cancer. So please do surround Muriel and her extended family in this area with your prayers and love as they make decisions about what they might be doing for next steps. In our own office, Doris and Jim Goodemote celebrate their 57th wedding anniversary, and we give thanks and praise for their faithfulness, which also brings to us our Gideon friends and family here. So congratulations and thank you for sharing with us this morning. We appreciate that. We also have the good news that Seska Corrin's daughter, Julia, came through her ACL surgery on Friday very well, and that Seska is ministering to Julia at home this weekend. Please also keep in prayer, friends, Mackenzie Malam, Jen Lake's niece, who was born, 26, who was born a, a few weeks ago and at 26 and a half weeks, and the NICU in Hawaii has had a setback. So we're in prayer for little Mackenzie, and for Jen's sister and brother-in-law, and for her extended family. We're also in prayer for the Dunn family, because Ginny Dunn has become a great-grandmother for the first time. Congratulations, Ginny, on being a great-grandmother for the first time. So for parents Mike and Carrie Marquardt, congratulations. Friends, please join me in prayer. God, whose name is worthy of unending praise, we seek to imitate the love that your Son showed to you and to us. Without a relationship with you and your life-giving spirit, we wouldn't know what to do. But thankfully, you set constellations around us so that we might have relationships with one another and through them with you. Hear us as we pray, not just for forgiveness, but for wellness. We lift to you all those whom have laid at your throne 
of grace their requests. And we're confident that you will be with newborn babes, that you will be with those who are making transitions, and that you will be with those whom we will miss. Show us the Christ who yearned for relationship. When we are tossed to and fro by constellations we cannot control, give us clear heads and open hearts that we may hear what you are saying. We pray for boldness to risk greater ventures, to show starlight in the world in response to your love. Lift us to heights where we can gain a vision of your eternal order and set us amidst those who need a glimpse of your peace. Comfort those who are not yet able to dry their own eyes and keep us in a community that grows in breadth and depth each passing moment. You are the God of our salvation to whom belongs all glory, praise, and honor now and forever, and to whom we pray as your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. we share our charge together, I neglected to mention one other prayer concern, and that is that amongst the stars and the great cloud of witnesses, there was one more added this week. Dottie Deslock joined God's kingdom, and we give thanks and praise for her being able to do so in the company of her family, to whom she had moved away a few years ago from this area. So we give thanks and praise for God having graced her 
by allowing her into the kingdom, and we do not have um, memorial services planned in this area. The family is doing that privately in their own convenience. Please join me in the charge, friends. Job and Amos prayed with vision. We received an empty tomb. May each time a searching stranger find at church a welcome home. For your kingdom's great surprises were first seen in hope afar. God, we thank you. Hope still rises. Every night we see your star. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing and comfort of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen. got a long drive ahead of you. I hope you have a comfortable car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a long drive. I was supposed to get back here Friday, but we had a little car trouble, so we drove back from D.C. last night. So, anyway, everything was fine, but actually, I have a son who lives in D.C., but I went to visit a good buddy who is selling his house and moving to Florida. And we've sailed together for 35 years, and he sold us a boat, and Thursday was the last time to ever sail together on his boat. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's why I'm a little red in the nose. <laughs> to my son. Thank you, man. Thank you for taking good care of us, Dan. I'm great, thank you. You? I got a little sun on my nose. I'm sailing. Yeah, it was pretty nice. He's been playing with his feet up there a lot. Hi, boss. I just printed these out quickly to some of my old notes and kinds of things. I already spoke with John and the four rules. These really are the key things. Okay. Yeah. I already got it. That's incredible. I have a group of guys to prepare. None of them are from those who go out in the morning. This is a whole different crew. Uh, I have not done this. I'm going to ask all the guys who go out for Bible study to see if they'll help clean up, make sure that they're around. But I have a, another group of guys. Uh, none of them, are, some of them work in the kitchen all the time with logos. Others have never been to the kitchen before and said, this will be great. More people. But this is cool. Has he out ahead of you? <laughs> How are you? 
sometime we ought to probably just have the entire congregation do Zumba. Huh? <laughs> Wouldn't that be good to do on Sunday? I think that'd be great. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I have, I have a daughter who does Zumba all the time. She does it twice a week. She lives in Philly, which is a long way from here. Yeah, well, I was there this week, so I drove down. Not that bad. You were, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, actually. And uh, I was in D.C. I have a son who lives in D.C. And uh, his wife is thinking about doing somebody. She been thinking about it for a long time, but she hasn't made the move for that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be neat. You guys are here. Boy, it does, doesn't it? I would say so. I see that. Why don't you leave that one out here, right on the pew, so we can take a look and remember to replace one. Hi, Jim. Nice to see you. Yeah. Well, you got to hear a little bit from Gideon today, which is good, right? 